Hello and welcome to the Comedians Outlook podcast. I'm Lee Cantony and for this episode I'm joined by fellow comedian Sital Gami. Sital is a comedian who's been going for a couple of years. She's very much a good name amongst these open mics and the small comedy clubs in London. Her set is amazing. She does some, she, she deals with some very interesting topics and, and deals with them in a very unique way. And she, her set's very memorable. I saw her back in December. Absolutely loved it. And so glad to get on the podcast six months later. And you will hear in this episode that there are many bleeps and the bleeps are for all one word. And that's the C word. And you'll understand why we use the C word so regularly in this podcast. We just thought it'd be amusing to bleep out every single one of them so they're so noticeable and you can see where they are. And then maybe if anyone's got a bit of time on their hands and wants something to do, maybe you can count them and let us know how many times that word is used. But without giving too much away about her material and everything and what she does and what her set's all about, I bring you C-Tail Gammy. Now we will need to kick this off with like a like a like a background of you and about you because um, as it stands, you're not you're not like a live at the Apollo name or TV name. Am or, I not? Are you? Well, if if any any latecomers to this this <laughs> podcast, um, she probably is a TV name by the time you've listened to this. So all of this information she's about to tell you is probably available on Wikipedia. But in case you are listening now. Um, Give us an idea of like your family history and what your childhood was like. Okay, so I was born in Manchester and had a good childhood, got three older brothers. So I knew the offside rule before any any other girl ever knew existed. Um, moved to London about age of eight and... I don't blame you, by the way. <laughs> Manchester, isn't it? Manchester was great, friendly people, but there's more opportunities here. So my family moved to London to give us a better chance in life. And I, I think they succeeded with that. Um, my life's been smooth sailing since then. Um, I switched to comedy or got into comedy by accident through a gig for charity. And I think ever since then, I kind of got hooked onto it. So a, I did a three-day crash course, did a showcase and... When my family and friends came to see me and said, you're actually funny, that's when it took off. I'm like, damn, I can do this. Was that, was that a little bit annoying? That, like, you've only just realised I'm funny. I've been trying to tell you funny things for years. You never laughed at me until now. Was that not annoying? No, actually, it was, I think I've matured. So it's the right time, actually, for me to get into it. Okay. And um, I had my teaching career sort of settled as well. So it's the right time to kind of go into teaching and know that I'm an established teacher. Okay, so you, you'd built a career, you'd got... You'd, you know, you'd, you'd got your standing, you got your sensible job, and then it was all right to sort of just come out of that and do a bit of comedy as That's well. That's right, yeah. Okay, how, what, what was your material like when you first started? My material, um, the first thing I did was about my mum, how um, annoying she could be when she's going on holiday and how specific certain things she does are, how racist she is, how homophobic she is. So it's basically about my mum. All, the, all these parameters that she needs to have a good holiday yep. are all about... Like like racism, homophobia. Yeah. Did she was she one of those that um had to pack like essentials like you know like those comforts that in case you don't get them when you're abroad. She mostly just goes to India, so all her comforts are in India. Okay. But she will have to max out the weight to make the ticket price worth it, even if she can't carry the suitcase, <laughs> and she'll struggle, and we'll struggle to get it in the car and help her to the airport. Oh, so, so she'll pack it for. I know that. She'll I know pack that it to the max. Well. And how does she feel about you talking about her? What, what was the first reaction to it? She hasn't actually heard it. I've told her bits that I said, 
And um, she wasn't quite happy that she was the subject of my comedy. But we all know that in the family that she's a, she just generates a lot of com- comedy material. So I don't really have to write much. I just have to observe her. And there it is. I've got lots of comedy material. Uh, you just walk around with like a dictaphone recording everything she says. Yeah. The only thing she got upset about is that I, I did a course because she said I've got, I could have trained you myself. So she was a bit upset that I'd paid to um, get trained in comedy when she could have just done it for oh, free. Oh, really? Yeah. So how, how does she, I, I feel like I should have interviewed her now. She's uh, obviously clearly the sort of comedy <laughs> in there. She's your inspiration. That, yeah. Um, so I've seen your set. In December yep. um, last year. I really enjoyed it. Thank clearly, you. Because I remembered it and six months later I called you up for an interview um, for this podcast. And like clearly relationships are like a big part of like your set. Um, yep. Every comedian does does stuff about like um, relationships. It's kind of like pretty much universal. Everyone will speak about some kind of relationship. Yep. Um, how do you go about making that stand out from other comedians? And like, by the way, it does stand out. It's very different to everyone else's. See, my this is going to sound really weird, but I think comedy can change the world. So you can give a message that normally would be a touchy subject to talk to someone about. But when you do it in a sort of funny way, you can still get the message across without kind of getting the backlash after it. So, for example, if it's talking about racism or talking about religion, you can get messages across because you're a comedian, I think you have that sort of um, license to talk about anything yeah. without people saying, oh, I can't believe you said that. So I think we've got the power. And using that power, the platform, we can talk about certain things that normal people in other professions can't get away with. Yeah. So I kind of tried to give a message where people think about the relationships. Um, I do add a comedy angle to it, but I hope the audience leave thinking, shit, I could change this or I could be better at this. And I do sometimes pick on the men because I think they need telling off. <laughs> but it is about, I hope people reflect. I think that's what it starts with, that it's they need this... to reflect on what, how their relationships are, yeah. how they are as a person. Yeah. And hopefully something changes to make them a better person. Yeah. I don't want to give like your material away or anything, but yeah. you, you go into details about it. One of the things you, you touch on is like who, who the, who the <laughs> is in the, uh, in a relationship, right? Yeah. And if you don't know who the is, then you probably are the Yeah. Right? So you touch on that. So you, yeah. we, like you say, you, you're trying to get people to reflect on yeah. on their relationship. And maybe men will change. I feel like this is going to be a very awkward conversation now because I feel like you're just going to roast me for being a man. But. No, it's not just men, but I, I tend to pick on them more because um, in my experience, yeah. they've been the, you know, the obstacles in my life. So okay. I pick on them a bit more. But I know there's women as well. And... Um, <laughs> I think when it, that's one of the sets does say that if anything's going wrong in life, the chances are there's a involved. And if you reflect on your life, anything negative happening is certain people causing that. Mm-hmm. And if it's not them, it's your thoughts, and you might be the person that needs to sort themselves out. So, yeah. have you seen a change in people? Have you seen a change in that where where previously <laughs> um, become less of a? <laughs> like and this is a podcast, so I can say I can swear as much as I want. Um, um, thing is, I've filtered out a lot of out of my life um, before I started doing comedy so the, my friends and that who come to see me have are not if we looked at um, I don't know we'd have to do some sort of survey to see that these people went to see Tell's gig and now they're you know five years down the line they're not anymore I don't know you'd have to do a proper research it, into it I don't, I, 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 <laughs> I don't imagine that many people are up for like outing themselves as a like I, 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 I sort of try to stop myself from. I mean, I don't like to dis- discriminate against any words, mm. so I'm happy to bring the word the 
onto podcasts. I, uh, I, I try to avoid using that word because mm. I've had, re- you know, clearly repercussions. Mm. Do, you, do you feel like you have ownership because it's your I female? actually used to hate that word yeah. before I started in comedy. If okay. anyone used it, I'd feel offended and I just think it's a disgusting word. It is. And my dad actually used to use that word. Like he used to say, oh, such and such said this at work. And I think I picked it up from then when I was young which is yeah. a bad thing to probably say about what my dad's taught me. But in comedy, <laughs> I think, it, like I said, you've kind of got this license to do certain things you wouldn't as an everyday person. Yeah. And I think because I'm female, I get away with using it more. I think yeah, if yeah, a male yeah. comedian did it, and people have said that to me as feedback, saying, oh, because you're a woman, and you're not, you're using it in a clever way, apparently, in your comedy set. That's what I've been told. So I think I'm getting away with it. And I do overuse it in one of my sets. You do. So I'm surprised that the audience still enjoy that set. Yeah, but again, like you, you say, like you have creative license to, to mm. talk about these difficult subjects, yeah. and and it is just a word. Like I know it has like negative connotations and mm. it's, it's offensive to yeah. many people, but at the same time, you're using it in a way that isn't offensive and is not outwardly offensive. Like mm. if you go if you go on the stage and someone heckles and you call them the c word, yeah, clearly that that's slightly offensive and that's a little bit aggressive and and mm. and a bit unfair. Right? Yeah, I, and I know I've had cheers for calling someone a prick in the audience before. Right, it's yeah. just one of those things. But if you time it wrong, you call someone. A, a, it's like I keep using the word. Right? <laughs> There's a bleep out some of these words. Yeah. I think just for comedy effect. Yeah. So how much has your set changed since? Like, I saw you in December last mm. year. How much have you evolved that that set? And so I've written probably about nine sets since then. Yeah. But when um, someone asked me to do like I say a charity gig or special paid gig yeah they ask for that particular setback so it evolves each time i do it and sometimes i'll try and bring in something that's happened in a gig into it as well so it, mm. bits and bobs of it always um changes based on maybe something a comedian said or something audience member said but at that at, at that particular gig or? yeah at the gig okay. Yeah, I love I love that. I mean, yeah. like the only when I first started, like it was mm. quite difficult because, like, if someone does heckle or something happens in the audience, someone comes out of the toilet or mm. leaves the room or comes into the room, yeah, and you you, you literally you're programmed to just deliver your set and ignore yeah. all of these things. But there's so mm. much there's so much freedom in in calling someone out. Uh, how how much do you play with the audience now? Like, I think I've got pretty confident because I've um, emceed I think three times now, and yeah, I think one of the skills of being an MC is to be able to just pick up what's happening in the room, yeah. linking different um, comedian sets. And I think because of that, I'm a bit more playful. Mm. And I think I've gained confidence where I'm able to interact and ask a question which could have, you know, various answers and just try and sort of think of something on the spot. So I think because of that, um, my sort of sets um, evolve because I'm trying to bring in what the audience say. Yeah. And I'm trying not to worry too much about, oh, after this, I need to say this. And I try not to sequence it too much. Um, the problem I have is I've got awful memory, so I do forget yeah. my bits, mm-hmm. and then I have to kind of improvise anyway. So I think it's kind of helping me out that yeah. I'm trying to improvise now a bit more. So in your actual set, you use yeah. you use a flowchart, don't you? You do a flowchart about... Do you still use that? So, so the one you've seen is part two of So I've got part one, okay. where I overuse the word so many times, and um, a lot of MCs have said that's the biggest count I've had in a set. Uh, but yeah. no one's actually counted it, so I wish someone counts it. I the one you've seen is this part two. Yeah? Yeah. I, re- I reckon there's potentially a, um, a like a world record there. You might have a <laughs> world record for a set, like a, the amount of times someone says the C word in in, in a five-minute set or something, yeah. or ten-minute set. I think we should have comedy awards. Yeah. yeah. For, just for like those, just for that category. Yeah, different categories. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's yeah. let's set it up. Let's let's do this. Let's get in contact with our London London comedians and 
create some some sort of basement kind of comedy awards yeah. thing that call it a comedy club and say that we're comedians. Yeah, let's Great. do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of downstairs. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so uh, the one I saw with the flowchart, you yeah. still use that flowchart. So you have like, you have like a series of like considerations um, yeah and then you, you say if this is this then you go to this point and then you tell them to go back it's a really yeah. great thing i just wondered how how often you like so that that must does that does that is that a bit of a crutch for you would you say or like would you say like you have comfort in having that on stage because it is an instant reminder of where you need to get to with the considering your 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 memory um i think when i was planning it i wasn't going to like initially i wasn't going to use a visual cue no and I think in my head, because I, I'm a computer science teacher yeah. and we use flowcharts a lot. And yeah. we say that, you know, they help visualize a program or visualize mm. a sequence. And I realized that if I'm just saying it, it's not as funny as if they actually see it. And now yeah. what I find is when I just bring the flowchart out without saying anything, the audience are in hysterics mm. without me even saying anything. And then obviously when I explain it, they're laughing more. Yeah. Um, okay. So it wasn't meant to be in the set and then... Something sort of said to me, actually, make it a bit visual. It'll be funnier. Yeah, I mean, when when you yeah. find when you're writing material and you find mm. it difficult to write in a way to explain it, mm. and you think, oh no, but this is going to be way too wordy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is going to be like a three minute like explanation yeah. of what I'm doing, and it's better mm. just to have a visual there. Yeah. How often do you replace that particular prop? Like, do you have to keep printing it out regularly, or? Um, no, I made that with the good materials actually. So Did that you? that is still there. I think I've only used it about five times. Oh, really? Yeah, because I've written so many different sets. Yeah, yeah. And then I revisit different ones based on which gig I'm doing. Mm. Um, I haven't done the flowchart one probably for about a year now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's not, not a year. It can't be a whole year, but six months. Because I saw you in December and you did it then. Are you sure it's this December? December just gone, yeah. Okay. It was like 28th of December. I don't know the date. I don't it recall. It's approximately at 8.24. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall using that one. There's part one I use all the time now because yeah. that's in demand. But okay, it's I, in demand. Yeah, it's in demand. She's in demand. <laughs> I started this off by saying she's not a TV name, but she might be closer than I thought. Well, people say I like I like your <laughs> material and that makes me feel really special. <laughs> <laughs> some, some people make me feel really, really uh, uncomfortable and intrusive, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good thing. It's Especially good... when women say it, because then I know they're not offended by that word, because yeah. I hate that word. Yeah. So when they come up to me and say, oh, I love your c- material, I'm like, brilliant. Have you, have you had any repercussions of it, though? Like, have you had... Because even no matter, no matter who's mm. in the audience, right? Yeah. I always find that, like, there's always, there's always somebody that, like, seeks to be offended. Mm. Um, like, like they, just, they just want to be offended. They'll purposely go to a comedy club mm. just to get... Just to get annoyed about something. Do you have you had any issues with that? Maybe I've been worried that maybe the older sort of generation, like grands and granddads, might get offended. But when I've spoken to them, they've actually given me positive feedback, which okay. I'm really surprised about because I thought they'd be the ones that get most offended because yeah. it's an awful word. But they've enjoyed it as well. I think it's the way I use it that they think, okay, it's not as offensive as just calling someone a. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to bleep these out. I love it. Yeah, I. Love it. I, really, I, I do you, Satel told me before she came on the podcast that she's trying to appeal to a wider audience. <laughs> she's completely ruined that with this. Um, have you have you gone to Edinburgh yet? No, I haven't. No. Are you planning to go up soon? Um, this summer I need a holiday. Okay. Because work's been stressful, so it's not going to happen this summer. Yeah. Maybe next summer. Okay. Have you yeah. have you got a full hour you want to write? Have you got one? Are you going to piece it all together? All these sets, like part one, part two, part three, into like 
one set? I haven't thought about it all. Uh, to be honest with you, first I probably just go see, we'll you know, comedians doing it properly, and yeah. then I'll see what I can do with it. Well, we, you can go up there and get on compilations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can get onto open mic slots while you're up there. Mm. So you can go and see comedy and and yeah. and just jump on five ten minute slots mm. here and there. So we, they say, you, I think someone told me that you you can you can't take no you can take a um a show up to Edinburgh too soon, but you can't take one up too late. Um, okay. Because a lot of people go up there with a full hour and then mm. completely die in their ass every night for a month. Yeah. Um, but some people, some people do like compilation shows where they do, I don't know, there's three twenty minutes and each of you do twenty minutes or whatever. I think that's what I'd probably start off with. I'm very yeah. cautious like that. I won't dive in. Like to me, it's an art form, right? And I don't want to just deliver some shit. So no. I try to really practice my sets before I deliver. Yeah. I I rarely write notes on my hands because I'm like. I'm delivering sort of artwork. Yeah. It can't be shit. I have to practice it. Yeah, yeah. And if someone's a friend's come along, or I've got a plus one, which you have to take to these gigs. Oh, bring it. They, sh- they should enjoy it, right? It yeah. shouldn't be shit. So I try really hard to make it a good set before it gets delivered. Yeah. So therefore, I wouldn't go for the whole hour unless I'm very confident that it's going to be a brilliant hour. And like you're saying, you have to kind of try out twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there, and then piece yeah, it together. Yeah. Yeah, the, the hardest thing about doing yeah. those different sets is actually that link between them. Yeah. I always loved um, Joe Wilkinson's thing where he just calls himself out on it straight away and just says, look, I'm not mm. very good at links. Yeah. So if you hear the word link, it means that I haven't got a link to, yeah. to the next bit. And then he just goes through and goes, link, and goes on to the next bit. I love it. Yeah. And it annoys me he did that because I would have loved to have done that. Yeah. Um, do you ever get jealous about like really dynamite stuff? Like, Do you ever like think, oh, if I'd only just been doing this at this time, I would have got this. I actually get um, excited because creativity excites me, right? So if someone's done something clever, I get really happy for them. I'm like, well done you. And only after I started doing stand-up comedy, I realized Mm. how clever comedians are. Mm. I didn't think of all the writing that goes on behind it, how they get their ideas, the delivery, the body language, and everything that goes with it. The timing is one of those things you you underestimate when you first start out. And I just wondered how you go about writing your material. Quite a bit of mine's observational, sort of, um, I pick it up from observations. And I think I start off with things that frustrate me. Okay. So there's uh, one set about man boys. So men who never grew up, they always remain boys. Oh, okay. They expect the moms or the girlfriends to pick up stuff after them or do things for them. So that frustration was actually, that was from my brothers being a bit of man boys, some of them. Um, Okay, are they still like living at home? Or... They live at home, but they expect... That's not the issue. The issue is they expect everything done for them. Yeah. And they're probably going to kill me if you don't bleep this out. But that started from my brothers. And when I deliver it, it sounds like I'm talking about a boyfriend or a husband. But actually, it was based on my brothers. Um, the c***s one is obviously based on people in my life who have been c***s. Um, there's one about Valentine's Day. So I did a Valentine's Day special yeah. this year. And that was about what men think women want. And then I'm like yeah. revealing what women actually want. Um, and I thought the men would get offended by that, but they actually came back and said, oh, I was making notes. Thank you for that. You know, in a funny way. <laughs> like, so, like tips yeah. on how, how they can improve yeah. as a man. So I tried to deliver my comedy a bit like a TED talk, but in yeah, a sort yeah. of um, funny way. I don't like talking about myself because I think that's quite cliche. And when I run out of material, I probably will do that. But um, my friend <laughs> yeah. recently came to see my um, comedy for the first time and she was... She didn't expect me to deliver the way I did because it's more okay. like a talk than, you know, the classic way of saying, oh, this is my name and this is what I do. So, yeah, it's a different style, I think. 
from what others do. And that's what I try to do, keep it fresh. I try not to talk about being Indian because that's obvious that yeah. that's what usually the ethnic minorities talk about. I try not to talk about teaching too much as well. Okay. But I know again. I will have to when I run out of material. So that's my <laughs> that's my go-to when I run out of material. I, I, it's just weird though, like with comedians, like we just seem to, we've got like ma- magnetism about like shit that happens to us. Like yeah. just stuff happens. Like even mm. this stuff... Um, you know just walking down the street and someone does something or you trip or you fall over and you just think that's five minutes material there but you, <laughs> you don't talk about yourself though so yeah that's very different so do you so you could be in a cafe someone could be behind you chewing really loudly yeah that would annoy you and then you might say oh, okay so people in cafes like eat crisp really loudly behind your head or eat yogurt and slurp hmm. is that the sort of stuff like you just get annoyed by it and then you'll sort of see the funny side to it and then yeah. write something about it yeah um you can have that by the way i would never do that material <laughs> All right. um yeah it's fine just giving stuff away here <laughs> mental and um, t- tell me a time when like you've died on your ass i love i love this i love dying and i love talking about when people have like absolutely fallen flat and just wanted to get into details about how that felt and what happened you're gonna think i'm a smug git right but i don't think i've fallen on my ass I think the only time I felt I should just get off stage, it happened quite recently. I was at a gig. I had woman flu, which is... Way worse than man flu. Which is basically real flu, not the made up (laughs) one that men have. And um, my ear popped while I was on stage, so I couldn't hear from one side. I started, my throat started getting dry, so I was about to cough, and I couldn't hear what I was saying. So I was Mm. like, shit, and I forgot my lines at that point. So I said on stage, oh, fuck, this woman flu. And they all started laughing. Yeah. And at that point, I was thinking, should I just get off stage and say, so I can't do this? I've never done that. And I'm, I'm like, no, it's been a good night. Everyone's been really great. I can't mm. just get off stage and kill my set like midway. So I just carried on. I didn't know what was going on. I, I think I became sort of like, um, almost I was in my own sort of world. So I just gave it a go. I didn't give a shit about how the audience reacted. And when I got off stage, my friend said, oh, actually, we couldn't tell when that bit happened. Because I carried on, so they could hear me. I, I was worried that my voice wasn't carrying, and because I couldn't hear, I couldn't really tell how well the mic was working or the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a really weird moment, and I did feel like, "Fuck it, let's just get off stage," because it's not going to work. So that wasn't so, that wasn't done in your ass or something. That wasn't dang on my ass, but it was a moment where I thought, "I can't hear what I'm saying." So what the fuck am I saying? <laughs> so so in some ways, you didn't even know whether you did die in your ass or not because yeah. you couldn't even hear whether they were laughing or not. Yeah, yeah. and I've, I think I've got to this stage now where. I don't worry too much about the audience laughing at the bits I want them to laugh at. I just yeah. deliver my set. I'm kind of in my own little world saying, right, just deliver it, try your best, and then worry about, like, look at the recording after and see where it fucked up or where it went well. Yeah. So I'm, Otherwise, I think you can, because I've seen comedians who deliver a gag and they say, oh, I got more laughs last time than that, and I don't want to do that. No. Just go with it, and sometimes they laugh at different points. So... Yeah. What is it? So going into the details of like, you know, we, we all test out new material and stuff or sign sandwich stuff into yeah. like current sets and that. Mm. How, what, what's your sort of elimination process for, for bits like or material? Like if, how many times do you try it before, before you're like, ah, do you know what? I, I, I don't know if I can use that anymore. Um, normally I'd know, like first time I try something, I'll know which were the bits that definitely need to come out. So then that will evolve a bit. I'll do it again the second time. I might find another sort of bit that needs to be delivered better or changed. So I think um, there'll be at least three times I've edited bits out and then it's become like the set I want it to be. Okay. So so, but you, so, you, so this is so it's more like that you'll try the same thing over and over again, but you'll sort of dilute it as you go or change bits yeah. to, to make it. 
work. Yeah, that's right. Have you not? Have you not ever like just got to that? Try that so many times. It just no matter how you do it, how you deliver it, how you word it, what order you say the words, what the rhythm is. Is there not, you never get to the point where you think I just there's nothing I can do with this joke. It hasn't happened because my um, my sets are like themed. So like you know, yeah. there's a Valentine's theme, man boys theme. Um, there's one about Indians, like typical what they do and how annoying they are, and it's always themed. So if I find that there's two points I made. Um, say about my mom's set that wasn't funny I'll add two other bits that are funny about her Yeah. so it's always themed and it's not like a joke here joke there it has to be part of the theme so it's a, I think it's a right. bit different the way I work so right because you're they're more anecdotal and yeah. they, they, you're, you're building you're building this sort of suspense and this story Yeah. and then you'll go you're often you know, I think your set it's often like you'll shock people into something so you'll say something maybe the opposite to what they're expecting you to say. That's right. Yeah. Um, which is which is kind of like the formula of like punchlines and yeah. jokes anyway. That is mm. a formula, but you yeah. do it in a slightly longer form than yeah. than than um, one liner comedians. Yeah. Um, so you didn't start out as a one liner. You didn't start out constructing jokes in the sort of traditional form at all. No, because my memory is awful. I can't yeah. do so many jokes in five minutes. So mine had to almost be like a story I'm telling, and then it's got funny bits in yeah. it. Um, and that is because of my poor memory. So I had to pick something that I can kind of sequence together. It made sense in my head, and I can remember the sequence. Because <laughs> a, a lot of comedians start out as one-liner comedians because yep. it's, what, it's, what, it's kind of the definition of comedy almost, like mm. what has been for decades and mm. decades, you know. Like, you know, you watch a sitcom, there are just like these punchlines throughout it that yep. are really funny, and they're just mm. like, it's just it's just a play on words or, or the way they say it or the timing of it and all mm. that sort of stuff. And... I, I just so you, you just sort of want to get to the point where you just sort of rock up onto stage and you just just talk. Yeah. Um. So you could because I just wonder you write your stuff. Yeah. You forget your stuff and then mm. how do you how do you make sure that you get the laughs in the right places if you're not remembering stuff? Um. So I do record the sets. Right. And when I play them back, I'll know that okay, this bit was definitely a no no, or they didn't get it, or I'd explain it well, or deliver it well. Mm. Um. And then the next time, so I'll make notes. Yeah. Um. On right, change this, change that. Then I'll try it again, time myself. Um. And it does evolve, like you said. And usually, third, fourth time, if it's a brand new set, third, fourth time, I've edited bits out and put new bits in. It normally gets to the you know, where okay. I need it to get to. And how do you practice? I practice in front of the mirror, so I time myself. And when I'm happy with the timing, I might record it as well, just to sort of see my body language as well. Okay, so you film it as well. Yeah, because I think that's what... When I did my first ever set, my body language was just tragic. Oh, yeah. And I realized that, and I'm like, okay, I need to be more animated, I need to move on the stage a bit more. And that comes with confidence, because at first, when I first started off, I'm like, remember your lines, remember your lines. Mm. And now I'm getting better at that. It's now about yeah. moving on stage. and you It's know, like when, when you're at the point trying to remember your lines, it's mm. kind of like a glazing over your eyes that yep. everyone just knows you're behind like this this imaginary sort of uh, frosted window where no one can see you. And yep. You're sort of trying to create that barrier. But mm. it, it, is so, it is so clear. It's so easy to see like a new comic. Like, mm. it's, it's often like, you know, the first gag goes out and mm. then you move the mic stand. That's a... Standard, and then you, yeah. you 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 invite you sort of invite the audience into you at that point, um, and then and then this like I, I met this comedian. I'm not going to mention any names, mm. um, but who has been going for eight years now. Yeah. And when I first saw his comedy, I thought he was brand new. Like yeah. he still backs out or jolts mm. as he delivers a punchline. Okay. So people know where the punchline is going to be before 
Yeah. He delivers it. So、mm. he sort of backs out of it.、Mm. And then, so how, how did you go about kind of being that self aware? Was it, do you film your sets when you're, when you're, when you're actually on, on stage or? I think part, partly being a teacher has helped me、yeah. kind of、yeah. with the delivery because you're delivering to an audience all the time,、mm. whether it's students or staff. <clears throat> and also、um, doing a course in comedy. Oh, you did a course、that's、in comedy? Helped, yeah,、okay. that's helped a lot because, as you said, otherwise I would have assumed this is what a comedian does based on what I've seen on TV. Yeah. And I think actually being told that this is how you deliver jokes and body language is important. Yeah. And having, you know, saying something and then suddenly changing sort of track and doing something completely opposite of what the audience expects.、Mm. So the little tricks I learned, I think they've helped kind of shape the material I have right now. Okay.、Mm. Okay. And so, so you. You did, a, you did a course after your first set, did you?、Um, for comedy course? So, the first comedy course I did was a three day crash course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the one that you、yeah. did before you started. Before yeah, you started that's gigging.、Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the third day we did the、um, showcase. showcase. And I, after that, I did another、um, course with the same、um, comedian. And I think、okay. that kind of shaped me. And then I was confident.、Yeah. I'm like, well, semi confident that I can do this <laughs> now. Yeah. And how, how confident are you now? Like, like, you're a couple of years in. So you, you're probably at the moment, you're just sort of, you're really sort of comfortable on stage、mm-hmm. now, I'd imagine. Like, after two years, you would be. Yeah.、Um, what, how, how are you feeling about your material now? How are you feeling about like, like what you're doing and, and stuff? I'm, I'm a lot less nervous. I don't get nervous anymore. Before, I'd be like practicing the set in my head while I'm、yeah. watching the other comedians.、Mm. And now I, I really enjoy it. So to me, it's not about. I, don't, I haven't entered any competitions yet because everyone、no. says, Oh, enter competitions. I'm really enjoying it. So to me, it's a hobby. Yeah. And because I'm enjoying it, I think that comes out when I'm on stage. Yeah. And I get、yeah. real high off being on stage as well as being an audience member as well. Okay. And then the bonus is obviously the audience、um, laugh more than you expect them to, or people come at the end of the gig saying, Oh, that was really funny.、Yeah. Especially if it's、um, comedians you've never seen because your friends will tell you, Oh, you were great. But <laughs> when it's someone that's never seen you and they say, Oh, that was brilliant, that's. I get a buzz out of that. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't know, I haven't entered any competitions because I think that might kill the sort of whole、the、thing. Enjoy it, yeah. Because sometimes I've seen great comedians not going through, and I don't know how some of these competitions are judged, but I don't want to take the fun out of it. I'm loving it right now,、yeah. and I enjoy doing these gigs and occasionally getting the charity gig or, you know, being called by a friend to say, oh, I'm doing this special、um, show. Do you want to be part of it? So I'm just loving it right now. Okay, that's good.、Yeah. I'm glad you are. Yeah.、Um, so, what's the last thing you do before you get on stage? What's the, what do you do? You, know, you said originally you'd be running through your lines and everything,、yeah. what you're going to do. What do you do? Do you get yourself in a, a state of like, relaxation just before you go on? Or, or do, you have any, do you have no processes before? I don't, I don't do anything anymore. Before、no. it was like, you know, panicking and just going through my lines or make sure no one talks to me. But now it's just, I'll be sitting in front row and just get up and do my set.、Yeah. And how. I mean, you know, you're really enjoying doing what you're doing, and it's、yeah. going down a storm everywhere、mm-hmm. you're going.、Yeah. Um, how much do you want to venture out of London and, and try different rooms and try different audiences? That's the next thing I do need to do.、Yeah. Um, teaching does get in the way of that because you, know, it's, you can't take time of work to do the gig. So I think I need to、yeah. work maybe in the breaks to see if I can go outside of London because I do want to try different audiences.、Mm. That's going to make me a better comedian if I can make people in different parts of the country laugh because I know not everyone gets London humor. If I go up north, I might have to adapt my set. And I think that'll be a good challenge、yeah. to try and you know, make different sets of people laugh. And... 
So what's the most yeah. regular sort of length you're doing now? Are you still doing five in a set mainly, mainly or? Um, mostly is five. I've been okay. asked to do some sevens and tens. Mm. Um, and I think the part I'm enjoying now is emceeing. Okay. So, so I think get... that's probably where I want to get more practice, okay. being an MC, And that generates a lot of material in itself, that like spontaneously. Yeah. And then sort of venture out outside of London. So what, what drove you to emceeing then? Like... Because I, I don't like emceeing personally. I think it's a thankless job. <laughs> and and the whole night is riding on me and that's way too much pressure. I was actually asked by um, a comedy club owner saying, do you want to give it a shot? And when I was doing my comedy class, the first lesson we were taught is say yes to everything in comedy. Yeah. Say yes to every opportunity, give it a go. Oh shit, I made happens. a mistake. Oh fuck. Oh well. <laughs> and um, so I said yes, I was nervous. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, I didn't, haven't done an MCing course or anything, but I've seen good MCs. Yeah. And I think that kind of helped me think, right, this is what I need to do. I got some tips saying, you know, make sure you mention the timings to the comedians and all the, you know, the admin stuff. Oh, yeah. But the actual trick is obviously it's going to reflect on um, how, what your comedy is like. So you're, yeah, every yeah. MC is going to be different based on what the comedy style is. Yeah, of course. And the first time I did it, I loved it. Um, my cousin and my friend came to see me and they didn't realize that was my first time. So that told me that, okay, you're not as shit as you thought you were. And I think because I did well the first time, mm. that made me think, carry on. If I flopped, I probably would have thought, right, I need to do a course. Because it went all right, I was like, okay, I can do this. Okay. Yeah. So any new comics coming in onto the scene in comedy, like just starting out, yeah. like have you got any like words of wisdom you'd give them? I would say stick at it. Because the first few times, you probably won't be as great as you think you are. Um, and that happens to all of us. So you, you'd go on, you'll forget your lines. Your body language won't be great. You might not have read the room well. And I think practicing is very important. So recording your set while you're practicing in front of the mirror, um, playing it back, making sure you've got the timing right, making sure you've got the body language right. And I think the more times you practice it, the better it'll get. So more times you deliver it as a um, set, Mm. the better it'll get. But I recommend that if first five times you don't think you're doing well, I would recommend a comedy course. Okay. Yeah, that's personally my opinion. That is that is yeah. one thing that often divides a lot of comedians yeah. coming to course. Some believe yeah. in them, some think that you shouldn't fork out yeah. hundreds of pounds to mm. for something that you love doing. Yeah. Um but I don't think it can hurt to be self aware and to yeah. have someone else looking at like your material yeah. and, and looking at the way you present your stuff because yeah. you know, it, it even if even if you come out of that course and don't mm. change anything, mm. at least you're becoming aware of what you yeah what you're doing i mean do you write with any of the comedians because i know some comedians that do write together or do bounce off ideas with each other no i haven't done and the other thing i've done is stopped watching professional comedy yeah because absolutely. i don't want to try and not try but unintentionally copy a style or get a joke that i've heard and when i'm writing somehow i so embed it in bring, so i've actually yeah. stopped watching comedy because people are like, oh did you watch live at the poly did you watch this and i've actually stopped watching professional yeah. comedy because I'm thinking I don't want it to influence me. I want to keep my material yeah. and my style original. Mm. I do I do miss it, but I'm like, this is what I need to do. I need to do it my way. Yeah, so, so do you not... Um, so how, how does that work when you're actually at like a comedy club, like a comedy night? Like do you... you stay, obviously you have to... You have, to yeah. have, you have stayers and, and bringers in, in yeah. London, um, mm. which we, we frown upon in the in, in Cambridge. <laughs> right. Um, I've, I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. Yeah. Um mm. You know, I understand building an audience and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but that, I don't know, 
They're, they're, there's people we don't they don't exist. Bringers don't exist in Cambridge. Okay. Um, obviously, it's etiquette to stay on mm. um, and and support the other acts. If there's yeah. a big audience, then mm. you could probably get away with nipping off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just how much do you how much do you find because if clearly you watch a lot of comedy still. Yeah. Like I find that like I'm watching all of the comedians do their yeah. stuff. Mm. And it could be six months down the line and someone could just sort of leak into mm. what I'm writing or yeah. thinking about. I mean, how do you stop that from happening? With, I think you can't. That's yeah. quite hard. Um, you just have to be original about it. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff like, there's stuff that everyone talks about. So yeah. there's concepts that everyone touches on, like mm. Tinder is a regular one, yeah. which I try to avoid. Mm. If I do go down that route, I try and be different in that sense. and. Yeah. And talk about a different way of like mm. like this podcast. People come on here, they're single. They talk about them being single, yeah. themselves being single. And I'm like, it's like a dating site podcast thing that mm. happened in the early <laughs> episodes. It's really annoying. Yeah. Um, but if you are single and you are a comedian and you mm. like to come in and plug your singularity, feel free to get in touch. I'm <laughs> fuck it. I, I don't mind being a pimp. It's all right. Um, but um, I don't fucking know where I was going with that. I just completely. I think we talk about uh, common topics and yeah. how we make and then them Tinder just made right? me angry. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Uh, <laughs> you have concepts that everyone talks about. Yeah, um, just to bring that right back. Yeah, uh, calm it down a bit. Yeah. Um, so do you? So you find you find that difficult? But do you, are you aware of when you're doing it? So do you, are you able to know when that someone? I'm sure I just remember seeing someone do that. I could sort of play with that idea, but I need to make it completely utterly disguisable on my own. Um, yeah, so it, it might be a topic someone's talked about, I don't know. Um, for example, racist mom. Yeah. I, I'll take my angle on it. So okay. then it's not really There's making not, material. No. It's taking a topic that someone's talked about. Yeah, it's not like... Adding angle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like someone's... The minute someone's mentioned Brexit, no one yeah. can talk about Brexit. Yeah. Well, what would you want to get out of the next year in terms of comedy? I definitely want to do more emceeing. I've been told by several comedians to try the roast battle yes um, okay but like i said i'm very cautious i want to go prepared go yeah. see, go as an audience member <laughs> pick my victim uh, okay. and then plan my material <laughs> so it's good enough oh, um, mate, i really want to see i really want to see you call someone a <laughs> regularly and and i think i already practice for roast battles when i'm with the students in the class because yeah. it, it can turn into a battle so i think i'm already preparing without even realizing okay Without using any swear words, obviously. Yeah. Because I'm a good teacher like that. All right. Um, She's just, in, in, case the, <laughs> in case the headmaster's listening to this, I don't um, swear at the children. And like you said before, like venturing out of London, I think that'd be great. And I was in India last summer and I really was hoping that I'd get to go to a comedy club there yeah. and just try, you know, an Indian audience. That would have been amazing because that would have really tested me because mm. I know what we talk about in Britain is completely different to what they might find funny yeah yeah so that would have been good maybe even like trying a different country that'd be great but i think first get out of london mm. maybe try up north they're friendlier they probably um enjoy the banter a bit more yeah try and take on different challenges this year now all right yep. sweet cool thanks for joining me <laughs> thank you very much for having me so there you go that was Jita Gami. How awesome is she? I really enjoyed speaking to her and some really interesting topics that we touched on there and everything. And if you are in the London area, do check her out. She is she is regularly gigging in London. She's a brilliant comedian. You're gonna really you will definitely remember her set. 
and I'm sure in no time that she will be headlining shows all up and down the country. And did anyone actually count how many times we used a C word in that episode? Because I just wondered if anyone did, let us know. Um, get in contact with me at, um, on Facebook or Twitter. That's at Luke A. Comedian. Ping me a message or a tweet or something and let me know how many times we said it. And if anyone does know, like, a, a Guinness Book of World Records, like, adjudicator, maybe you could get in touch with us and, and we can see if we can get them down to one of C-Town's gigs when she uses a C-word regularly and see if there, is a, if there is a way that we could create a world record attempt at the amount of times a C-word is used in a comedy, a five-minute comedy set, and, and just see. It'd be cool to get her in the Guinness Book of World Records just for a laugh. And... Um, that's it about that episode. My next episode is going to be with Richard Todd. He's a brilliant comedian. He's taken multiple to- shows to um, Edinburgh. He's headlined shows up and down the country. He's uh, he's a he's a pro. He's an absolute pro. And that will be the next episode released. If you are enjoying these podcasts and you like listening to them, then wherever you listen to it, please subscribe, rate, review, and say really amazing things about it. And then more people can listen to it and enjoy the podcast too. That's it from me for now. But see you soon and take care and have a wonderful week. Much love. Hello, I'm Luke Anthony. Do you love hearing about the stars' careers, lives and mental health? Well, Meet the Stars is a brand new podcast all about that. Join me every week from Wednesday the 2nd of December for an excellent conversation with a different star each episode. Simply go over to members.starevents.online to become a member which gives you exclusive access to every episode and so many other brilliant features just for you see you there